It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. For the arts and entertainment, both locally and nationally, it has been a tough year. Theaters and playhouses remained dark or shifted to virtual-only performances. Concert halls were empty, though some performers shifted to drive-in concerts and online performances. Museums and galleries closed their doors to the public for months. Will 2021 be a better year for the arts? For a glimpse at what's coming in 2021, Arts and entertainment writers at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution have provided a roundup of upcoming shows and events, big and small, live and virtual. Next week, we'll look at entertainment options, but on this week's podcast, we're talking about the arts with Bo Emerson and Rosalind Bentley. Welcome, Bo. Thank you, Shane. And welcome, Rosalind. Hello there. It's great to have you both, and um, I guess, you know, it's looking like... uh, 2021 there there is some hope for um getting back to the way things were if you know only minorly um Roz what did you find when you were looking uh, at the future looking at the future i think people feel as though it's still pretty unsettled and could very well be well into 2021 as we wait for uh, mass distribution of the vaccine for the coronavirus. So with that in mind, venues that I spoke with are trying to adjust. They are still looking at virtual presentations as a fallback They are also doing in person, but with a tremendous amount of precautions. But they also have a tremendous, tremendous amount of hope that things may at some point get back to some semblance of the way they were. Right. 
And and Bo, you uh, you looked at uh, live theater and and things like that. And um, what are folks saying uh, in in that arena? Well, I was just talking to uh, Adaye Moon, uh, who is the new associate artistic uh, director at the theatrical outfit, and um, the uh, it doesn't look like they're getting ready to schedule any live in-person performances there, uh, although they are um, beginning uh, right off the bat with some virtual um, uh, virtual events, including uh, the, uh, this, uh, this unexpected uh, uh, play ser- series. Um, there, there are places where, like Synchronicity uh, has a plan in mind uh, in which they are going to keep an eye on the, on the numbers of uh, hospitalizations and, 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 and infections and such. And, and judging from that, determine whether they can do one of three things. They, they will have actual in-person uh, performances with, with str- stringent uh, precautions. Uh, they will also have uh, recorded uh, versions of those performances that uh, that people can uh, see uh, the uh, and then they will make a judgment as to whether they will only provide the the ones on you know the, the recorded ones online or the, the they'll offer a sort of a hybrid uh, version of that. Um, I, I think it's it's still uh, it's still a lot of it is up in the air and uh, this is the kind of thing that. Uh, uh, keeps those uh, producers awake at night, right? So it sounds like they're they're basically hedging their bets and and planning for for multiple possibilities. Exactly. Yeah. So so you mentioned uh, so, well. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the theatrical performances and stuff. You mentioned uh, synchronicity, um, and um, they're they're one of the ones on your list of, of things that that they're planning. Um, I see that, that their season upcoming, they're doing uh, The Bluest Eye. Right, uh, and doing- that's supposed to be uh, taking place in the theater um, and and on screen um, in June. Um, there's the, the uh, another uh, uh, great uh, thing to look forward to is uh, from the Alliance, which had tried to do this uh, uh, last fall. It's the uh, Hands Up, Seven Playwrights, Seven Testaments. It's um, a, a commissioned... Sort of series of monologues that that were that began uh, a while back, right after the fatal shooting of Michael Brown, uh, but became uh, 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 more and more relevant uh, as as more African Americans were, uh, were were killed by police. Uh, they, the Alliance decided to to make it into a full production uh, with the help of uh, some Spelman uh, students, and um, the uh, they had planned to put it on the fall. Uh, or, or first in the summer, then in the fall, then they postponed it to the to the spring. But now they're not exactly sure when it's going to happen. But they do have a commitment that they will put it on uh, at some point in 2021 on stage. Uh, and uh, it's actually well suited to uh, a, a production that doesn't in, um, endanger people, as in, in particular the, uh, uh, the the actors and actresses, because it's 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 a series of monologues. So there will only be one person on stage at a time. Um, and, uh, that is a kind of a, uh, an approach that uh, lots of other theaters have 
have tried to uh, utilize as well to uh, not only keep audiences safe, but to keep uh, the people involved in the production safe as well. Right. Yeah, I know that that uh, a lot of folks have done, uh, especially with their virtual things, they've done uh, one person shows, right. monologues, things like that, just uh, to keep that social distance thing going. Um, and what else uh, what else is uh, coming up? I know Aurora Theater is uh, one that uh, they they've been expanding during um, this pandemic. It, that was not because of necessarily, but it was already planned, right? It was already planned. And, and uh, it's, uh, it was sort of a, a two-sided uh, sword because they have this magnificent um, uh, new, uh, new uh, complex now. Uh, so the uh, uh, more than doubling what, what they had uh, to begin with there in, in Lawrenceville and which, so they have, they added a 500 seat theater, uh, to the existing 250 seat theater. Um, but in the midst of all that happening, they were, uh, very, uh, quick to find a, a, a way to add a couple of, uh, a couple of million bucks to improve an outdoor performing space. Uh, so, uh, they'll have this 200 seat outdoor space and outdoor performances, um, are often going to be the solution for a lot of, um, uh, a, a lot of folks that are trying to figure out how to put on a show and keep it safe for the audience. For example, um, uh, the Atlanta Opera uh, began putting on uh, 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 per- performances in in this uh, essentially a circus tent um, on the Oglethorpe campus. Um, so the Aurora is going to be well well um, prepared um, in, to put on some uh, some smaller shows um, in. Uh, 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 in in that sort of situation, right? Yeah. So the uh, the outdoor performances that's something that uh, you know the entertainment side of things, uh, music, and uh, there have been concerts and things outdoors. But I guess the theater uh, the theater community is going to be embracing that, perhaps, or, or at least trying to. I know Aurora has done outdoor shows before, I believe, at, at parks and things like that. Right. But it will be a new opportunity for them to do them on a more regular basis, I guess. And, of course, the Alliance did a, a, a version of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream at the Botanical Garden that uh, was was pretty um, uh, an, an interesting um, uh, project for them. That It basically involved building a whole stage and uh, uh, dealing with incredibly hot weather and, and, and such. Um, but, but that kind of thing, um, has shown that it's, that it's possible to do. And, and, um, and I imagine it's going to be done a lot more often. Right. Yeah. And I imagine that other theaters will be, uh, looking at this sort of thing and trying to emulate it if it works and see if they can, um, do these kind of things as well. Well, because- and in Atlanta, it's, it's not completely out of the question. And, for, you know, from uh, really April until October, that's that's a long season. Yeah, yeah. So they've got plenty of opportunity with the nice weather outside. So, and uh, I guess we'll see. And as as those sort of things come up, I imagine that you'll be reporting on that, and we'll keep people up to date on all the new things that are uh, being announced as they're announced. I won't let them miss a moment of Shane. <laughs> all right, all right. Well. One thing that is a little harder to do outdoors is uh, a visual arts show. Although, you know, there are, uh, of course, uh, murals and things like that outside. But to actually do a, a show 
is a little more difficult. So, Rosalind, can you talk a little bit about what some of the visual arts uh, outlets in town are planning this year? Yeah, certainly. Well, first of all, it begins with masks, and it often ends with masks. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... But most venues, uh, well, when you talk about some of our larger established venues, like the High Museum, um, you could say the Atlanta Contemporary, others, they are moving ahead with shows. And they are doing so by trying to use the device of timed entry to keep people safe, only allowing a certain number of people within a building. Some have installed uh better HVAC systems, if you will, that certainly won't eradicate the virus, you know, from the environment, but it might make people feel a bit more safe when they're in them. And this is why they're doing that. Both uh, venues, including several others, have some pretty exciting, exciting shows coming up this year. And one of them, the High Museum, is going to open the show, David Driscoll, Icons of Nature and History. And that's going to open at the start of February. And David Driscoll really was a titan of African-American art. He's an art historian. He was curator. He was a teacher. But most of all, he was an artist uh, known for some really iconic work. And then also in the promotion of the importance of African-American artists and African art within uh, the American visual arts canon. And so this will be the first retrospective of his work since, sadly, his passing last year. Uh, I believe he was 88 years old and he passed away from coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. So this, you know, is sort of a really bittersweet moment. Um, he was actually born in Eatonton, Georgia, you know, home ground of Alice Walker. But uh, he went on to teach at historically black colleges in turn, including like Talladega, others. There's this famous story of him wanting to go to college after his family moved from Eatonton, Georgia, right to um, North Carolina and he wanted to go to college. He had no idea that he had to apply to go to college. So he just showed up on the steps of Howard University and talked his way in. So So that, from that, you get someone whose work is in pretty much every major institution in the country and the Driscoll, David Driscoll Prize is a pretty coveted prize that the High Museum awards every year and to artists who champion that sort of work. So what we have in this show, as I said, are going to be drawings, paintings, all of that more than 60 pieces spanning the entirety of his career. And so the high is pretty excited about it. They want people to show up for it. So that's why I say you're going to have to be masked up, but you'll be able to probably see, at least I'm hopeful, you'll be able to see 
one of his most iconic works, which is Behold Thy Son. I'm not sure it's going to make it into this show, but it is a rendering of um, Emmett Till um, in the aftermath of his murder um, in the 1950s, but it's rendered in such a way that it's very tender. Um, it's very arresting, but it was from that pivotal um, painting and on through the ages that um, just goal has become quite the name. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. No, that, well, so that's just one of the, the many things that uh, are going to be going mm -hmm. on uh, in the visual arts realm mm -hmm. here in, in Atlanta. There are other things well, coming as well, right? Oh, there, there actually are plenty. You'd be surprised. Right. People are getting pretty creative. Okay, the another that we're looking forward to, and again, we have to have, use this caveat of hopefully there are no surges and there are no shutdowns. Right. But the Georgia Museum is doing the first ever retrospective of the work of Emma Amos, who passed away last year as well. She was 83. This time was complications from Alzheimer's, but Emma Amos is probably the most famous African-American female painter who is native Atlantan that you probably have not heard about. Right. And so the hope is with this exhibition, which is called Color Odyssey, which is again, a retrospective of her work close to 70 paintings, that that is going to change. Uh, Amos, Amos came from a pretty prominent uh, African-American family here in Atlanta that really was uh, a cornerstone of the black business community here in Atlanta. Her family owned a famous uh, drugstore, on Ashby Street, they were big players in the Atlanta University uh, Center, and she studied under Hale Woodruff, um, who you know we know as one of our iconic uh, muralists. Right. And so her work has kind of flown under the radar, but it is a blend of both textiles, acrylic paints, and others that really look at what it means to be African-American, female, and an artist and engaged in contemporary America. So that's actually going to be a really exciting show. And it's actually a pretty big deal for the Georgia Museum to inaugurate a show like that, to conceive of it. And it will travel. But they are right now unpacking the crates and are hopeful that there are no shutdowns. Right. Another thing that folks can really look forward to is the Atlanta Biennial at the Atlanta Contemporary. And that will also be this spring. Let me see. We are looking at dates of February through May. And the genesis of that was... Back in the 80s, there was a New York biennial and artists from all over shown in this biennial, except for 
artists from the South. Not a single artist was included in that. So the biennial here in Atlanta, Atlanta Contemporary, uh, started in 1985 as a response to that, to say, as Outcast famously said, the South got something to say. <laughs> so what we are going to have are probably close to 50 artists in this biennial from all over the South, Atlanta, Tallahassee, North Carolina, Texas, mostly young um, up and coming artists and a few who um, are more established that you've seen uh, like Shaniqua Gay and Kasimu Harris. They will be there with, some pretty experiential work. And here's what's interesting. The title of the show is Of Care and Destruction. When this was conceived, the idea was that, you know, people would hew to that theme. Well, with the advent of the coronavirus and with the amount of racial strife and reckoning and protests that we saw this summer, the artists to a one changed their focus and they spoke to this moment. So it's going to be interesting to see how these artists responded to probably one of the most tumultuous years that um, we've all experienced, you know, in what, a hundred years. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. Well, that's uh, that's that's great. Um, you know, there there will be, of course, many other shows coming up. Uh, galleries will probably be doing shows, whether they're virtual or uh, in person. I know some galleries are doing uh, by appointment type things, which is probably one of the safest ways to do it. Um, so I imagine that, that that these are just a few of the things that you can see here. Uh, in Atlanta, and we will, of course, keep you up to date on any new ones that are coming along, and uh, and I'm sure we'll have reviews as well, which uh, Felicia Feaster does those for us, and and uh, we'll review those shows as they come along. So stay tuned to AJC.com for that, and in your print paper every day. Um, so thanks for talking to us about those visual art shows, and we're going to move on to classical music. That's uh, something else that uh, often takes place indoors, although, we, as we know, the symphony has done outdoor shows as well. So what is in the works uh, in the classical music world, Bo? Well, you talked about uh, the, the art can be seen as kind of dusty, and, uh, and for sure uh, uh, the classical musicians are, are sometimes considered to be uh, – sort of uh, stuck in, in uh, 200 years ago, but uh, the, uh, it's, uh, the, uh, you can hear new music uh, if you look for it. And, and the uh, Atlanta Symphony Orchestra is, is pretty dedicated to, um, uh, to playing new music. Um, and it seems that there may be even more emphasis now on it during this, uh, during this time, because you can, uh, some of these compositions are, are appropriate for smaller ensembles. For example, um, there is going to be, um, and, and of course, uh, you're talking about whether these are, these are live or, or uh, online. Well, they, they are, they are uh, as far as the ASO is concerned, uh, 
so far they are still performing with a in front of an empty audience, uh, but with a um, a videographer who is set up um, on a a, a a camera on a stand and and let the uh, let the orchestra play away. It's much uh, much more of a participatory um, uh, performance where the 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 camera travels all around, sees. Um, uh, a close-up of hands and faces and such. And uh, so it's a very different experience and um, um, uh, offers a, um, some, some insight and some, some sort of intimacy that you can't really get. Um, perhaps the sound is not going to be the same as uh, sitting in um, uh, at Symphony Hall, but, uh, but you're going to be uh, uh, introduced much more uh, uh, closely to, to a lot of these performers. And one of the uh, one of the uh, plans is for uh, uh, Tashan Sori's uh, new uh, piece for Roscoe Mitchell. Uh, uh, just recently uh, got a world premiere, um, and that'll be January fourteenth. Um, and uh, in February, as you all know, um, uh, Robert Spano, uh, the music director, is uh, retiring at the end of this season, and they've uh, tried out uh, or will seem to be. Um, emphasizing bringing in guest conductors and and for sure um any guest conductor who's coming in in the uh, in the last year or so is somebody they're thinking about uh, as a possible uh replacement for him and and one uh uh one who's in the running is natalie stutzman uh who will be uh, uh conducting the orchestra on february 18th uh with with new music from uh missy mazzoli along with uh, old music from Mozart as violin concerto number three. Uh, the um, uh, she is considered to be uh, among those in the running, and uh, so as whether uh, when the uh, ASO is going to go back to uh, bringing audiences into the hall, I don't know when that's going to happen. Right. Um, and uh, but um, like I mentioned, the opera before they will bring back their uh, uh, big tent performances uh, in April. I don't think the days uh, and times are yet uh, set up for that, but um, out uh, in the middle of a field on the Oglethorpe campus, you can find uh, this uh, brightly colored circus tent with, uh, with the sides opened up so that the air can flow through. And um, uh, with um, care given to uh, protect the um, uh uh, members of the audience and members of the cast. They're going to put on uh, Bizet's Carmen, uh, and they're going to put on Kurt uh, Vile's uh, Three Penny Opera. Um, and uh, in those in those settings, it's certainly different than the opera that people would be used to with magnificent productions and you know, costuming and uh, and set pieces and such. But um, uh, but it will be. Uh, uh, a paired back in an interesting way to approach uh, lots of these pieces. So those are things that uh, that folks can look forward to. Of course, uh, uh, Melissa Ruggieri can will tell you about um, all sorts of outdoor performances by pop musicians um, uh, later on, and uh, they are used to being uh, uh, playing outdoors, right. whether it's um, uh, Lakewood or, or or elsewhere. Right. And but uh, it's probably going to become uh, more common uh, to, to hear um, 
whether it's chamber music or or full symphonies outdoors in the in the in the coming year, I would guess just because um, now that they've tried it, they're gonna uh, they're they're probably gonna continue on with it. Right. Well, I imagine that the, you know the symphony has has often performed outdoors. They used to perform at Chastain. Uh, right. So out at the uh, Ameris Amphitheater in uh, Alpharetta. And I right. wouldn't be surprised if they're probably looking very closely at doing more of that kind of stuff this year, especially since I imagine that there won't be as many pop musicians touring. Uh, so there's probably not as much demand for those venues, those outdoor venues uh, to be booked for these big touring acts. So it's always a possibility that some of the local folks, uh, whether it be classical, pop, whatever, will be able to take advantage of that and play in those outdoor venues when the weather gets nicer. And, yeah, you know, that's the, uh, the silver lining in uh, what has been a disaster for artists and musicians and, um, uh, you know, uh, venues and, and small clubs and big, uh, big venues is, uh, is that everything is now been shook up. Um, things are sort of in the air, so new things are happening. And uh, uh, that might mean that you'll hear uh, some music that you would not hear normally because, because, the, um, you know, because the venue's available. Yeah. Well, people have had to get creative, so yeah. that's, that's the kind of thing you get. And, uh, you know, before we wrap up, I want to mention that, that this is all, uh, a lot of this stuff comes from a story that, uh, that Bo and Rosalind and Melissa and Rodney all contributed to that ran recently on Sunday in Sunday Living uh, and is still uh, easily viewable online at AJC.com. It's uh, basically a look ahead at uh, 2021, all the events that are coming up. And we also had a little bit about uh, what's happening in the world of dance from Cynthia Perry. Uh, of course, the Atlanta Ballet has been already doing things uh, in a virtual way, uh, doing production type things, just like the Atlanta Symphony. And she'll tell you a little bit about that. You can read about that. And about uh, the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, which often comes here, but they'll be doing some online offerings as well. So check all of that out online at AJC.com. Um, and, uh, Roz, is there anything else that you wanted to add? You know, before I we wanted wrap to up? piggyback on something that Bo mentioned, uh, earlier, which is, uh, the hands up seven playwrights, seven testaments that the Alliance hopes to be able to do, um, live in 2021. Um, the Alliance did, though, move forward with some community conversations surrounding the themes that are a part of this play. We wrote a story about it back in October about how they were still trying to keep the spirit of this play alive and to speak to the very moment as protests were still going on. So if readers want to go back and take a look at that, story. And also, if they want to go back and look at some of the community conversations that some of the actors had with audience members virtually, obviously, and with other uh, community stakeholders, they can do that at the Alliance's website. And they can also 
come back to AJC.com and learn just a little bit more about the show itself and uh, what the hopes are for the future. Right. Well, that's great. That's a good reminder uh, that, uh, you know, there are lots of, a lot of uh, resources online uh, that you can check out for all of this stuff. And, and we have much of it at AJC.com because we're reporting on it as it happens. Um, and when we find out things that are coming up, we'll tell you all about it, um, keep you up to date on what's going on and what's coming. Um, Bo, is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so, Shane. I think you guys have covered it. All right. Well, terrific. Well, thank you both so much for uh, talking with us today about uh, what we have to look forward to in the arts in 2021. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had. And we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Atlanta is blessed with several college towns within the metro area. And they're bursting with great shops, culture, parks, and things to do. Freelance writer Mary Welch provides an overview of life in the area's college neighborhoods, including Emory, Kennesaw, and the Atlanta University Center, including both indoor and outdoor activities. Get the full story at AJC.com on our Things to Do page. A high-concept show like NBC's Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is a high-wire act because the idea is purely fantastical. A woman sees others break into song and dance in her head to evoke what they are really thinking. One of the rivals for the affections of the title character is played by Stone Mountain native John Clarence Stewart. The AJC's Rodney Ho recently spoke with the actor about returning to work on the show's second season, which just debuted this week. As the actor puts it, it was pretty surreal. Read the rest of the interview on the radio and TV talk blog at AJC.com. The AJC's Bo Emerson brought us news from the world of Atlanta theater this week with the announcement that Theatrical Outfit has brought on Adaye Moon as the new associate artistic director at the Downtown Theater. A former literary manager at the Horizon Theater, Moon is also a former director of performance-based interpretation at the Atlanta History Center. As of Monday, in his new job at the Theatrical Outfit, Moon will be part of a company dedicated to performing new work with an Atlanta connection through the Made in Atlanta program. The outfit begins highlighting local writers in earnest on Thursday, January 7th with the first of four readings that comprise the Unexpected Play Festival. The Decatur resident spoke to Bo Emerson about his role with the outfit, about trying to connect with audiences digitally, and about an Atlanta-centric repertoire. Read the interview with Moon on the AJC.com Things to Do page. The AJC's dining team continues to explore some of the best in takeout with the Atlanta Orders In feature, which you'll find in print in the living section many weekdays. One of the places they recently visited is Bojanic, an Indian concept that has been around in one form or another since 2003. They recently closed their Buckhead restaurant but are working from a location on Lambert Drive. They recently introduced Tandoori Pizza and Wing Company, which features handcrafted Indian-Italian fusion pizza on non bread and uses the same ghost kitchen and online ordering platform as Bojani. Read up on all the places the team has visited on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. 
For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.